So, as we did uh, last week, last Sunday, I'm going to begin by uh, speaking. Uh, today it's going to be on a koan. I'm going to read the koan, speak about it for a little bit, and we're going to open it up uh, for a mondo after that. So it'll be about half the time uh, for me to speak about it, and then the rest of the time we're going to open it up and have a discussion uh, about the koan, also about the way it relates to uh, our lives, the way it relates to what we're going through right now. So this is from the True Dharma collection of koans. Jinking's source. A monk said to Zen master Jinking Daofu, This student has not yet arrived at the source. I ask for the master's expedient guidance. Jinking said, What source is that? The monk said, The source. Jinking said, Well, if it's that source, how could you get any expedient guidance? The monk bowed in thanks and went away. Jinking's attendant, who was present at the time, said, Just now, did the master give that monk support or not? Jinking said, No. The attendant said, Then you did not answer his question? Jinking said, No. The attendant said, I do not understand the master's meaning. And Jinking said, One drop is just black ink. Two drops and a dragon is created. The commentary. Jinking knew clearly what can be communicated and what cannot. He also knew how to get out of the way and allow the wisdom that has no teacher to come forth. If you wish to understand this, you must return to mind and arrive at its source. But do not pursue the source. Attaining its source, its end will also be reached. If you want to know the source, then just know your own mind. The visit visiting monk got it, but the attendant didn't. Do you get it? Tell me. If the master didn't give a quick question as support or answer the question, why would he bow in thanks? Haven't you heard the Buddha saying, a high-mettled horse seeing the whip shadow goes a thousand miles following the wind? Jinking said, one drop is just black ink, two drops and a dragon is created. I say, the single drop of black ink is the dragon. It's just that it will never be seen until the brush is free of the artist. If you want to understand this, enter here. So, <clears throat> good morning. Here we are again. The second Sunday morning virtual program. And we're still in the phase of getting used to the challenges of maintaining our practice over the internet. Since we can't get together as we usually do. Some people say it's strange to connect this way. 
it's strange to live this way. We have a saying in Zen, when you see something strange as not strange, its strangeness disappears by itself. We have to heed that advice. Formal Zen practice usually takes place in a traditional setting. And there is a specific structure and schedule we all follow. And, and all these formal aspects of a traditional practice are by design created to encourage and support us as practitioners so we can stay on the path and maintain our spiritual exploration. But now all this usual stuff, all this usual setting, the structure, the schedule, is not available to us. And because it's not available to us, it is more crucial for us to take the responsibility to turn inwardly and to find the original compass within. In other words, we have to find our own teacher within. Now, what we do with this time is, is very important. You know, as we said last Sunday, <clears throat> we, are, we have been given a gift. We don't like it. The fact that we don't like it doesn't mean it's not a gift. The fact that there is truly a lot of suffering doesn't make it less conducive for spiritual exploration, for breaking through. And a lot of it, all of it, depends on how we use this time. What do we do with it? How much time do we spend on Netflix? How much time do we spend on cooking, eating, looking for ways to pass the time, looking for ways to fill in the long gaps. So following a structured practice is extremely important vehicle for spiritual growth. But the Dharma itself is not contained, is never contained within a structure and is not limited to a tradition or a certain spiritual path. As Bodhidharma said, the Zen tradition is outside words and scriptures. It is also a tradition outside zendos, structures, schedule. In Zen, we merge with what is. And we practice what life presents with us, whether we like it or not. And no matter what happens, practice continues as long as we continue to practice. And within that, we keep giving rise to the fundamental spiritual question. Now, to keep the practice alive, wherever we are, we need to shatter our compartmentalized way of thinking or let go of knowing and take down the walls in our minds and when there is no zendo the whole world is your zendo when there is no structured practice and unstructured practice every moment is nothing but practice 
<clears throat> this koan, we encounter Master Jinking Daofu, a disciple of Jiefeng, or Sepo, who succeeded to Tokusan, Deshan. These guys were among the greatest Zen masters during the 9th century in China, time period known as the Golden Age of Zen. So one day, a visiting monk came to see Zen master Jinking and asked, This student has not yet arrived at the source. I asked the master's expedient means or guidance. So that's the question. That's what he came with. And the purpose of, of a spiritual path, as many of you have heard before, is to lead the practitioner back home, back to the original self, back to the source. And the spiritual teacher is there to provide a guiding hand, help the student remain on the path, and check if the practice is maintained correctly. So the connection and interactions between a teacher and a student can be very conducive, and it can help the student break through the shell. But it's a vital ingredient that must be present. The student has to raise the spiritual question and maintain an acquisitive spirit. In other words, bodhicitta must be operating in the background at all times. And bodhicitta is a way-seeking mind. Bodhicitta is what brings a practitioner to the practice. So do we recognize that? Do we know how to tap the bodhicitta within us? Do we know how to go back to what brought us to practice in the first place? And over the years, I've had students who I felt had great potential. And there was bodhicitta that brought them to practice. But it wasn't strong enough. And it did not sustain lasting determination. And they dropped out for various reasons. And this is a very crucial time, I think, for us to examine the strength of our bodhicitta. Why am I here? Why am I practicing? Not to ask an answer, just to keep asking, why am I doing, who is practicing, what is this about? To keep raising fundamental questions of our existence. Maybe especially now, more so now, with what we're all facing all over the world. The great doubt Right? It's one of the three pillars of Zen. The great doubt is the underlying spark that keeps firing up the engine for sustaining the great determination. Without the great doubt arising, without the great doubt being sustained, we can't sustain great determination. We will find it boring, unimportant. There will be other things that we will be, we will feel that we are called to attend to. And then the practice moves away. Move to the side, then moves away completely. You know, Zhu once asked his teacher, Nansen, where did the worthies of the old go when they died? And Nansen replied, 
How badly do you want to know? Never mind the old, the old timers. Never mind those ancient teachers. What about you? How do you sustain your practice? Are you willing to go to the edge? Are you willing to jump without knowing that there will be something there to catch you? So the monk in this koan was evidently determined and eager to know. He traveled. We don't know how far, we don't know how long, but he traveled to go seek the teacher, to seek the source. So he entered Jinking's monastery. He goes in and single-mindedly he asks about the source. So Jinking said, what source is that? And the monk without hesitation, says, the source, the one and only. And Jinking says, well, if it's that source, how can you get any expedient guidance? I do appreciate you showing up. I do appreciate you raising bodhicitta, coming to see me with this great determination. Now, since you already have that going, what can I give you? The monk heard that, bowed in thanks, and went away. In the commentary, he says, Jinking knew clearly what can be communicated and what cannot. And he also knew how to get out of the way to allow the wisdom that has no teacher to come forth. So he goes to see a teacher. Of course, he has to go see a teacher. Because that's what we do. We go seek. Of course, the question is, how do we seek? Do we lean on a teacher? Or do we ask the teacher to mirror the wisdom that has no teacher? So he knew how to get out of the way and allow that wisdom to shine forth. And then the commentary says, if you wish to understand this, you must, you is the most important word here, must return to mind and arrive at its source. But don't pursue the source. As long as you pursue the source, then again, you don't trust. Again, you look to lean on another. You wait for it to arrive from somewhere else, from someone else. Attaining its source, its end will also be reached. If you want to know the source, then just know your own mind. So the monk's question is brilliant and necessary for a spiritual seeker to keep raising at all times. And Jinking's answer is also brilliant since he turns it right back at the monk. Well, if it's this source, how can I give you any expedient guidance?
Or maybe if it's that source, I am giving you expedient guidance right now. Are you willing to see? Are you willing to put down what you think you know or don't know? Turn it back and look at the one who is looking. If you really want to know, then turn it around and direct the inquiry inwardly. Look at the one who is asking the question. Observe the observer and get to know your own mind. If you want to know the mind, if you want to know the source, the advice is always, just this is it. So the monk got it said nothing else, bowed, thanked the teacher, and left. And that's the first portion of this koan, the first part. The second part deals with the attendant's question and Jinking's reply. So the attendant, who happened to stand there by the side, observed the exchange, listened, and was left confused about the exchange, about the whole thing. So when the visiting monk left, he said, just now, did the master give you, give him a support or not? Jinking said no. So then he said, then you didn't answer the question? Jinking said no. The attendant said, I don't understand the master's meaning. And then Jinking ended, ended it by saying, one drop is just black ink, two drops, and a dragon is created. In commentary, says, the visiting monk got it, but the attendant did it. Do you get it? Tell me. If the master didn't give a quick question, a support, or answer the question, why would he bow in thanks? And then it goes on to quote the Buddha saying, a high-mettled horse seeing the whip shadow goes a thousand miles following the wind. And this is taken from the four horses, the first one, moves at the shadow, at the mere shadow of a whip, gets it right away. Realizing the urgency. If we don't get it now, when will we get it? If we don't trust it now, when we will trust it? Are we waiting? And Jinking said, one drop is just black ink, two drops and a dragon is created. And the commenter says, I say a single drop of black ink is the dragon. It's just that it will never be seen until the brush is free of the artist. If you want to understand this koan, enter here. And I've said many times, the price of admission is you. You, the one who may feel anxiety about the situation. Or the one who may feel, I got it. I'm doing really well. I'm functioning great with this situation. It's the same one that we have to pay with in order to enter. The one who thinks, I got it. The one who thinks, I'm lost. It's always the same one.
Actually, it's always the same barrier. Am I willing to admit that I am the barrier? I stand in my own way. And if I am willing to admit, then what do I need to do in order to get out of my own way? So then the wisdom that has no teacher can shine forth. I block the wisdom that has no teacher. A dragon is an enlightened being who has torn apart the nets and cages of delusion, as Dogen said, and has sold beyond the limitation of life and death. But this cannot happen until the brush is freed of the artist, as the commentary said. It can also, it will not, not happen if our resolve is not strong and constant. When the quest is not strong enough, there is a tendency to put the practice on the back burner when facing a crisis. And then getting back to it when, the, when things calm down and the crisis is over and there is some sense of normalcy. And to practice correctly is to fully merge what we call practice and what we call life's crises or, or life situation. And we have to include the anxieties, the fears, the suffering, the dying. And we have to open up our hearts to everything. In other words, we have to get out of our own way, moment by moment. There's a commentary about another koan from Shishin that is very fitting here. He says, Zen practice is not about killing our compassionate, heartfelt responses to life and its events. When things get uncomfortable, most people divert their attention by withdrawing, getting angry or depressed, or numbing themselves to their own feelings. That's not the way of Zen. Unless you open up your heart completely, you cannot embody Zen, and you cannot be of service to anyone. And what I, what I often find with us as practitioners is when, when things get busy, hectic, or when we get, become fearful, or there's a lot going on in our lives, whether it's what we call good stuff or bad stuff, that's actually secondary. When there's a lot going on, the tendency is to put the practice aside. And we have a really tough time seeing that this is our practice. Life and death and everything in between is our practice. How could it not be our practice? How could I say I don't have time to practice now because there are more important things going on and there's real suffering going on in the world? So stop and ask yourself, what do you think the practice is about? What are we doing? What have we been doing? Is it a hobby? Is it something I do when things are good and calm and nice? 
And I think a lot of us these days, in, a lot of us in the world, are eagerly waiting for this to end. We are waiting for this to end. And what happens when we wait? What happens to practice when we wait for something to end? Naturally, it is being put on hold. In fact, everything is being put, my life is being put on hold. Which obviously, on many levels, it is put on hold. But how could practice be put on hold is the question. Practice is not about being somewhere or doing something. It is primarily about being nowhere and being nobody. Well, in being nowhere and being nobody, how could this not be our practice? So how do we use this time? And this is where I want to hear from all of you. How do we use this time to keep our spiritual exploration going? Now, are we just waiting for this to end? Or are we open to use all the ingredients of our lives, including these ones that we very much don't like? Are we willing to use those ingredients to deepen our spiritual practice, to break through, to understand what this practice is about? So, we're going to open it up now to the Mondo portion of this program. And if you want to speak, uh, everybody else, please stay muted. If you want to speak, you can raise your hand, unmute yourself, and speak. Go ahead. Do I have to choose? Okay, I'm going to unmute Daikyo. Hello. Um, yeah, I think this is a, it's a very nice um, small picture. Um, I do appreciate that. You know, like, uh, I was actually discussing this with, with Chuck. Um, you know, after after receiving it at 5 p.m., that um, you know now is the time to concentrate on 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 the practice. You know, not forgetting um, the practice because I mean this is when we tend to not do it, and that's what you just said. And I, I totally agree. I, I've done it before, and I you know at this time I'm very conscious of, of kind of how how when things feel like kind of going on, uh, anxiety is rising or, or some sort of sensation of, of discomfort is rising is because I'm disconnecting myself from from the source, like uh, our person was saying. And, and that disconnect has to do with, you know, like being too much into my own uh, desires of what this should be versus what it is, you know. And typically the, the way to come back uh, is just sitting, reading something that has to do with with our practice, and and, uh, and those things are, are available for all of us, and they're relatively 
of easy going and I think you know uh, you know it, it's been it's been good for me to know that I always can resort to that can provide more understanding to, to what we're really doing which is you know living our lives regardless of what the situation is um, so so that's uh, I, I mean it, it's been a very good reminder of what I just heard of things that I, I think I'm trying to practice that you don't like how these things are. It was like uh, one of my favorite quotes from Osen say in IQ is that um, somebody asked him, um, how come you never lose balance? And you know, Sensei responded, like, well, I lose balance all the time, I just recover quickly. And, and I think, you know, that is a very conclusive thing. It's like, you never get it. You just kind of need to rebalance yourself quickly, as quickly as you can. And, and that, with practice, you get quicker balancing yourself. And, and every time you lose it, you can come back. And it's, and it's that. I mean, it's like the, the, the trust has to do with you can come back. And uh, regardless of, of, of how it feels, I mean, if you like, don't have the time to come back, I will never come back. Or it doesn't even feel very good. And, you know, like you can you can, and then when, when you arrive home again, you are connected with things again. And whatever is going on, it's creating pain maybe, yes. Creating anxiety, yes. But all that is not suffering in the same way. It's, it's connected. Mm -hmm. So so that's kind of my take on, on, on what we just heard. And I think it's very, uh, I appreciate, thank you, Sensei, for, for Roshi, for... Uh, for that teacher, I think it's very conducive to this time. Thank you. So uh, there is, uh, you said that you talked about falling, right? Losing balance and falling. And uh, there is a nice, uh, I think it's uh, Sozan, who uh, brought it up in the Quran, is a nice saying that uh, is this, this, the ground you fall on is the same ground that helps you get up, right? So who says there's anything wrong with falling, right? So when we do lose our balance, when we do fall, when we do get trapped, it's the same ground. We fall on the same ground and we get up on the same ground. Right? Because it's, it's always there. It's always there. Even when we don't see it, it's there. Even when we get caught up. Essentially, we are not caught up. We are free. But there is dealing with the notion of getting caught up, which is not not real. Right, it's it is an it is an experience. We are having the experience, but the ground is always there, and the ground is there to catch you. The ground is there to help you. Right, it's always there in the background, and it's important to to recognize that. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. So you better raise your hand. Okay, great. Yeah. So unmute yourself. And then speak. Uh, well, this reminded me a lot of, um, you know, the sort of numbing and uh, checking out in bad situations. Um, I was in college when 9-11 happened, and it reminded me how, at the time, it, just every day all we did was get up and just watch the news all day. Yeah. And go to sleep, and then get get up and watch the news all day, and it in a way it was, I mean, 
it's good to be informed, but looking back on that time, especially in light of this incident, um, you know, it was actually, wasn't a very good use of my time. I could have done something else. I could have worked on my homework. I could have worked, I could have read books. I could have, which is not in any way checking out at all. Um, because I find whatever the circumstance and whatever you engage in has some relevance to understanding the greater complexity that's sort of in the world. So mm-hmm. in this particular instance, it's been funny because I have a friend who said, like, if everybody doesn't have their house cleaned by the end of this, they're, they fa- they've missed the opportunity. And it, and it sounds like a really like, oh, I'll just check out and clean things. It's great. But what's been fascinating is when cleaning things or fixing things, I kind of have reached this viewpoint of going like, well, why are we struggling to repair this this washing machine in the basement that's like months old? It's taken the repairs, it's taken forever. I've had to learn all these tricks to take it apart. And, and then I stop and I go, well, that washing machine is a real gift. You know, like it's it in the future, I mean, like down the road, it might be hard to get a hold of a washing machine. How wonderful it is to repair it and save it and not throw it away in the trash, you know? So every, every object and, and everything cleaning and organizing and fixing things is has been a lesson and it applies to the whole world i've I've found just how we engage with it and encounter it and appreciate learn to appreciate it so that was what i wanted to share yeah so right to to develop deeper to use this time to develop deep appreciation to pay attention right um but also you know to recognize that uh we're not all, I mean, we're all in the same predicament, but we're not all uh, dealing with it in the same way, not just emotionally, psychologically, but practically, some of us are uh, running to deal with it hands-on, you know, especially those who are uh, in the healthcare profession and are in in the front lines, right? So I think that's just very important to note that, uh, you know, so we don't become cocooned thinking, well, the whole world is a home. Not exactly. The whole world is dealing with it in, in many different ways. And we have to recognize that we have two right there in front of us who are dealing with it hands-on, right? And then many others. And many others who are there to, to keep things going, whether they come to collect the trash a couple times a week uh, or they you know, keep the food chain going and, uh, and many other things that we all rely on, on a regular basis, right? So there are many people out there every day uh, being exposed, maybe, you know, much more so than, than, than many of us, right? So it's important to note that and to bring deep appreciation to that as well. What we want to do with our practice is, is constantly expand, 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 while, while there is the tendency to contract, contract, contract. So that's why the great determination is essential. And f- to support the great determination, that's why it's important to keep raising the, the question rather than to answer, to raise the quest, to raise bodhicitta, to nurture bodhicitta on a regular basis. And it's all aspects of practice, obviously. Thank you. Okay, go.
um, reminds me of how I look at my practice. So my practice to me seems to be um, constant reminders that bring us back to paying attention to our level of awareness, how we're meeting the current situation, whatever that happens to be. Um, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Osensei's comment about balance, and I, I have that same idea or notion about reminders, and that everything that arises is somehow a reminder for us to pay attention. And I like this koan, actually. I haven't heard this one before. It reminded me of the two arrows mm-hmm. koan that we did recently also, in that you know, as the monk asks the master for an expedient means to the source, the master simply reminds him that he's already connected to the source. And the monk responds accordingly by thanking the master. And, you know, for me, it's always about those little reminders. It's always about stepping away from the small self and realizing that there is, you know, a larger uh, one mm-hmm. that we need to... Uh, constantly be reminded that we're attached to, that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is very relevant in this current situation with everything that's going on. And, you know, if this, with a capital T, if this is it, then this is always it. And even, you know, the crisis that we're facing at the moment, the, um, honestly, the, the small sacrifices I think that we're making, for the larger good, mm-hmm. this is it. This, this is what we need to do. This is what we should be focusing on. And I don't think there is room in that, if you're practicing, for waiting for anything to happen. And and so that's what this koan kind of brought up for me. And, and you know, the, the two dots of ink also reminded me of the two arrows, right? The first dot of, of ink is just that, the dot of ink. But once that second drop, you know, hits the paper, it's the brush's initiative at this point as to what will be created. And, and I think that is true, again, in this circumstance whereby, you know, we make of it what we make of it. And we can be caught up in the anxiety and the stress of it, or we can allow that anxiety and stress to remind us that there are other things we can be doing. And... In some cases, that's no thing. That's just nothing. It's just doing what we're asked to do for the greater good. Yeah. Thank you. So the, the uh, when he says, you know, one drop of ink is already is already the, a dragon, right? And and obviously, you know, the dragon is. Uh, in most situations, is is there? It's just dormant. I mean, it's dormant, not active. And and practice is there to awaken, and allow the or let the dragon free or allow it to to function in our lives, right? So the dragon way of being, so in the dragon way of being is a brush without an artist, right? So living life without the hindrance of me getting in the way, and if I'm not getting in the way, the dragon functions beautifully, functions fully. There's no doubt about that. That's, that's what we were born to do. 
or born to be. It's just that we get in the way because we, we don't use doubt in the correct way. Right? We, the great doubt is not the small doubt. That's why it's called the great doubt. It has to do with vastness, not with a sense of contraction. Or a sense of doubting me if I'm capable of not or not. That, there's no doubt there. We are, we are cut for it. We are built for it. Actually, more so, we're built for it now. Not that we are built for it later. As in, you may remember the Quran that uh, uh, with the quote, bamboo shoots will eventually become bamboo. But if you use them, use them now for ropes, will they serve the purpose, right? And it has to do with, the way, with our way of thinking. I'm not, I'm not there yet, right? Not now. I will be later, but I'm not equipped or I'm not deep. My, my knowledge is not deep enough now so I can keep doing what I'm doing, basically. Or I can keep messing up or whatever, right? But that's not what we practice. We practice it now because there is no tomorrow, because there is no later. It's the only time, it's the only place, it's the only person. As in, if not now, when? If not me, who? So, thank you. Am I choosing or you're going to come forth? Thank you. Okay, go. Yoho, unmute. Hello. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I, just, I just feel like the koan and talking about the source and connecting back to that. Uh, yesterday, I was, the day before yesterday, I was feeling, you know, good. Let's just put it in words. They're good and, and dealing with this and feeling I was making the best out of it. And and there was a deep sense of a deep feeling of being grateful for the opportunity and for everything. And then yesterday, it, I had the same feeling until about the afternoon. And then everything changes. And everything changed and I started feeling something hit and, and, and all this like fear and anxiety and, and I was crying a lot and I, it was just completely like light and, and dark. It was incredible. So I went to my room and, and I cried out. Obviously I let it be because I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to worry about like, oh, I have to hide this or stop it or this is not a good time. Um, but as I allowed it to happen, there was this, this feeling of being grateful underneath it all. Mm. So I, for a moment, I was like, this is it. Life is a roller coaster and, and I'm going to be good. I'm going to be bad. I'm going to be up. I'm going to be down, especially during these times. I think we all go through that somehow, um, some more, some less. Um, but what's underneath? What's underneath that? What's underneath me being happy and excited or me feeling productive or what's underneath me feeling this is terrible i don't want this to happen or you know i miss my family whatever the case may be and it was that that yesterday to kind of show in the form of being grateful but i feel like that was the source mm -hmm. and and 
by me not trying to hide or get carry on with what was happening, regardless of the feeling I was experiencing, I was able to see that, like to connect with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized, and then it was like a flashback of my life. Um, meaning like if it has to end in terms of the body form today, how, how do I feel in, in, in terms of that? And, and it was that being grateful for just having the opportunity to be here and, and do whatever, you know, but having the opportunity, I feel like, but again, going back to the koan and, and the source, just for the first time I allowed to be myself to not be okay with this. And it was great. The same, it was the same greatness as when everything was okay the day before. Mm-hmm. And, and I just wanted to share that because I think, I don't know. That was going back to the source for me as an experience yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and the source doesn't judge, right? We do, but there's no judgment there. There is complete wholehearted acceptance of all things as they are, right? And it's also, it's not saying this is, this should be, this should not be. It doesn't know. And it, in a way, it refuses to judge. To judge is to be trapped, right? Or to go with the judgmental thoughts is to be trapped by the judgmental thoughts. Yeah, thank you. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, am I willing to, this is an interesting question, right? And to wake up in the morning and to say, what if this is my last day? What if this is the last day of my life? How do I want to live it? Right? And, and if I see that as the last day of my life, am I going to wait for anything else? Obviously not. Right? Am I going to compare it to anything else? Most likely not. Right? And most likely, I will pay attention, a lot more attention. I will do my best to enjoy every sip of coffee, every bite of the food, every conversation with anyone, any interaction. Right? I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, obviously, and, and the, the, the reality is, Nobody knows. We don't know when. The, I mean, look at what's happening today. No, I mean, we, we don't know what's going to happen. So, and beyond that, nobody ever knows that's going to be the last day. We don't know that. One day we wake up in the morning and that's the last day. But what if it is today? Who's next? Go ahead, Major. Is it gonna you be you speaking or the dog? <laughs> <laughs> you have to unmute. Okay, go ahead. I got it. Good morning, everyone. 
Morning. Morning. Yeah, so um, I kind of relate somewhat to what Mark Miyoho was saying. Um, uh, you know, um, you have those moments of gratitude and you have those moments when you are totally um, accepting the situation and working with the situation and just going about your day. And then you get that hit of uncertainty and, and fear when you start, you know, um, as, as um, Taiken mentioned, the second arrow, you know. So you get you get hit with the first arrow, you get uh, um, with that situation, and okay, you're, you're okay with it, you accept it. You're trying to follow the instructions and, and do the best as you can to work with the situation. And then out of nowhere, you'll, you get hit with the second arrow and your mind starts running with it, you know, the, um, the uncertainty of it all. I mean, I was fine until I heard that Sal, my boyfriend, uh, 10, 10 of the firefighters in his uh, house were tested positive. So now I'm concerned about him. You know, I'm concerned about him and I'm concerned about him having to be a first responder and having to go and, you know, and, and be of help to others and stuff. So that uncertainty, like, is he going to be okay? You know, is, is he going to be affected by it? And so that kind of got my fear started. And, um, yeah, the uncertainty of it is, it's, it's, uh, it's scary, it's frightening, but then, you know, you, you have to, this is it, you have to work with the situation and, and deal with it and, you know, pray that everything turns out okay, but, you know, you don't, you don't really think about it until it gets really close to you, until mm -hmm. it starts hitting home. Right. Right? Right. Sometimes you think about, okay, you know, thank God, you know, nobody that is close to me has been affected or tested or whatever. But now that, you know, it's getting close, it becomes a little bit more terrifying to think about it, you know. So what do you do? You know, you, you get up and you do the same thing you did yesterday, you know, you sit when you supposed to you you work with the situation and then you have it hand and and you know we realize that we walk through life with the false sense of security thinking that you know everything's under control and everything's well but in an instant things can change and you have to be open and you have to be willing and you have to be accepting of whatever the change is because as we keep mentioning, this is it. This is what the cards that we have to play. This is what's in front of us. And, um, and when you don't, when you reject the situation, that's where the, the fear and the pain and the frustration, it starts hitting home. You know, it really starts affecting you. Mm -hmm. So I realized that. I realized that, you know, um, I start thinking back to where there's been difficult situations in life and, we pull through. Yes, there was pain. Yes, there was suffering. Yes, there was uncertainty. But we pulled through and we made it through. You know, we made it through whatever the situation, whatever the loss it was, whatever the situation it was, whatever the pain and suffering it was, 
there were tears, there was pain, there was anger, there was fear, there was all of these emotions, and yet we made it through. So we have to stay focused on whatever it is that we're going and experiencing, we are going to make it through. It is going to be a, a, a better day. There are going to be better moments to come. And yes, out of every adversity and out of every situation, we've always came through it stronger. We always learn and it built our compassion and understanding for someone else's suffering as well. Because we've already experienced great pain and great suffering. Right. So I think that staying connected and you know working as as a family, as a team, as a community. I think, and sharing, because some people think that they are in it alone, that nobody else is experiencing what they're experiencing, you know? Maybe this has been their first opportunity to experience something that is so frightening and so out of control in their lives, you know? And they haven't had an opportunity to really build up resilience and resistance, and they think this is the worst, and this is the end, and it's not. Right, so... Very important to add to that, uh, that it's not just let's toughen up and get through that uh, with, with the uh, with the notion or hope that things are going to be better. Things are going to be better and worse, and they're going to fluctuate between better and worse depending on me. But if I take me out of the equation, things are going to fluctuate, period. It's not what it makes me feel. It may make me feel happy or sad, but but on on a level of source, we don't know. How can we know whether this was going to go to the right or the left? We don't know, yeah. right? We don't know that, oh, yeah, things are going to get better. You know, I think that it, 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 it can be dangerous to do that, right? To just, let's just, you know, hold on to the notion of things are going to get better, right? Because then we're going to wait. Well, and, and if they think... The, things are changing, period, right? You know, they're going to go this way or that way, up and down, right? That is true. But, you know, the, 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 the point is we don't know and we have to be okay with that not knowing, right? Rather than, than to, to try to hold on to, uh, it can be a false sense of security that's dependent on things are going to get much better within a certain amount of time or whatever is right. But we don't know that. And, and I think that what happens these days, you know, especially in the news, you know, especially, you know, what's coming out of sometimes of the White House, you know, they're throwing things out there and then some people hold on to that. And that's dangerous. It could be dangerous because it's not based on the last speculations out there. But at the end of the day, we really don't know. Yeah. Nobody does. There are many models, there are many speculations. But nobody really knows. But because we don't know, we are left with this. And that leads us to the main question of how do I practice this? Not knowing when things are going to get better, if they're going to get better. Maybe they're going to get worse. Do we know that? No. So we put aside better or worse. We put aside all the divisions that we have in our minds and then come back to practicing this. This we know. We can practice this. I cannot practice tomorrow. I can practice today. That I can do. How do I practice today? 
Thank you. So uh, we have we have a few more minutes. Anybody else wants to? Yeah, go ahead, Michelle. Good morning. Unmute yourself. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Um, a lot of the things that have been said by my senpai, um, I feel that I have actually embodied this week. Um, some of the members in uh, my Jukai study class uh, heard this from me. So um, Tuesday, I found. I might have been exposed to someone who um, felt that they may have had symptoms of, of COVID-19. And um, up until that point, I'd been really, really compliant with uh, the request to socially distance. And in, in learning that the possibility existed, not even that the person tested positive, not even that I myself had had the symptoms, that was the first time that I actually had emotions about all of this. The uncertainty hasn't bothered me. Um, the concern for other people has definitely been a weight, but to actually think that I could now be ill and in the time that I had been in public could have also been infecting other people caused me great anxiety and great anger great concern, not to the point that I could physically emote, but just what was happening inside and mentally and waking up in the morning wondering if this was going to be one of my last days. And the thought was, well, if this is my last day, I want my house to be clean when I go, um, you know, thinking those kind of things. Um, and when I found out the news, I was coming back towards the house and I was just looking at all of the people on the street and looking up at the sky and just thinking how beautiful this world is, how small, not insignificant we all are, but that we each are here for a moment as that drop, that drop of ink. Mm -hmm. And what it means to just be that one drop and how our drops in, interact with other people and the picture that we actually create. Mm -hmm. And so um, it. I had the opportunity to sit with a friend that night um, and it allowed me to process some of that anxiety and anger and it made me realize that the anger and the anxiety were really just allowing me to feel closer to the people who may actually be experiencing the symptoms of, of the disease. The anger, the anxiety, the concern of people who are working to save these lives or trying to create plans of action in order to mitigate the loss of more life. So it, I feel that there's a positive out of all of this is being able to be closer to the human experience that we are going to be talking about for generations. This is a moment that we are all a part of. And so just taking in or maybe even imagining what all of our dots are taking shape to form mm -hmm. has been a way for me to still be present to still do my part uh through the work that i do through being present for other people when they want to talk being present when people want to sit mm -hmm. and then also just making time for myself with all the other things that are, are going on but um you know i don't know what's going to happen 
I, I think often of the person who's waiting for their test to come back in. In the meantime, I've been more observant of myself and try not to be too stressed. I feel very positive, but I understand that things change. And we're at the beginning of this process, and it's just making sure that um, I am present. I'm present with myself. I'm present with others. And um, I allow myself just to, to watch all of this unfold. So I, I, I hear and I feel things that everyone has said, and I do appreciate the ability to be able to, um, one, experience this, but experience it from a place of equanimity, or at least trying to experience it from a place of equanimity, and having a group that I can share that with, because it's not always easy to speak this way to others who are not part of the practice. Um, Trying to let them know that this is part of this is part of the entire experience, um, and not feel as though I'm downplaying their concerns. So I'm grateful for this space and um, to be able to learn more in this practice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very important, right? To and you know, we talk about all inclusiveness or expansiveness. <clears throat> to see it all, to recognize, yes, there is, there is that that suffering is real. And the uncertainty is real. And we don't know how it's going to end up, right? So that that does bring you right back to, to the preciousness. Like you said, whether it's the sky or, you know, having a cup of coffee or eating or talking to somebody or sharing, sitting with somebody. And I think that, you know, what we're doing now um, is amazingly precious because we are able to cut through time and space and, and share the practice no matter what happens, right? So we share the practice. We can see how the practice really is not about a place or a person or the way it looks or the way it feels, right? It cuts through everything. It unites everything. And we are embodying it as a group. You know, things have changed. Okay, we're up for that. We're going to maintain the practice through that. Right? And, and through that, um, I feel it, and I think many of you feel that too. Uh, while we're not seeing each other the way we are used to seeing each other and being able to hug each other at the Zendo, we're still very connected. We're still very much in each other's lives in different ways. So, and that's why I always want to encu- keep encouraging you to, to have uh, cross-communication with each other, to reach out to maintain connection, uh, not just with me, but talk to each other, write to each other, offer support. Thank you. Okay, we have uh, five more minutes based on the schedule we have created for this. So anyone else before we wrap it up? Jifu, go ahead. Let me unmute you. Wait. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I've been very called forth by this tea show. I want to thank you for it. And I want to thank you all for being here with me. Um, a week ago today, I got married. And um, three nights ago, we were making a very serious decision about um, whether I would volunteer to be part of the group of hospice nurses being trained to take patients um, 
from the COVID virus um, typically very quickly. And um, I'm going to be doing that. Um, in part, it's just a question of timing anyway. Um, I'll be volunteering and the rest of us will all be doing it um, at some point or another um, because of the nature of our work. And um, this opportunity to be trained and volunteer has been seen for me as um, sort of a, um, a speeding up of my practice. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just feel um, both terrified and also called forth, mm-hmm. really called forth. And um, Roshi, you said something in the course of your talk, you said, um, I think you're quoting and you said, you don't trust. And on the first night of um, Sashin, you told me you don't trust. And I thought you were talking about don't trust others. Mm. That was the experience I was having. And now I see I don't trust the source. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't trust in myself and in my own mind. And um, that's been just a great uh, realization this morning. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Diesel. Thank you for echoing that. And uh, yeah, this is actually a great uh, note to end with. Right, because this is this is what we're talking about. To trust the wisdom that has no teacher, to trust the wisdom, the inherent wisdom that's never covered up. Never ever covered up. No matter what happens, no matter how we feel, no matter what no matter what happens next, it's never covered up. It's always there, it's always functioning. And what we need to do is make the connection. And that's the second dot that allows that wisdom to come forth and shine and act in our lives. So that's thank you for finishing the the morning uh, program this way. Much appreciated, and congratulations again from all of us. And stay safe. Okay, we're going to finish with uh, with the four vows. Delusion.
supreme importance. Time swiftly passes by and opportunity is lost. Each of us must strive to awaken, awaken. Take heed, do not squander your life.